book of Acts. I'm not going to spend a lot of time verse by verse through Acts right now, but Acts chapter 2, I'm going to preach Acts chapter, I'm going to preach a, a series of sermons in a few weeks after John through Acts, um, but for several weeks, um, months even, pastorally speaking, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess you say I'm always thinking out in advance. Uh, sometimes I have a great understanding of what needs to be going on six months from now, and then two weeks into it, it all falls apart. Anybody else think that way sometimes? Have great plans, and then two weeks into it, it never, never, never comes to fruition. Um, been thinking a lot about this fall, um, discipleship, how we can be a, a church that loves each other. I mean, there's a lot of different things going, just being a biblical church, really. And so a lot of these things were in place and in my mind and in my heart. And then just in the middle of, of Dr. Whitney talking about Koinonia, it was just like, oh my goodness, that's it. I mean, that's exactly where my heart has been uh, over the last several months and looking at things that have already kind of put into place. And so through the confirmation of the Holy Spirit, it was like, yes, that is exactly where we are and what is needed in the life of the church. So let's think about Acts for a moment because I think sometimes we really overthink things. Um, the book, of, the Bible is a, just a great picture of what the church should be about. We overthink things. What, what did they do in the New Testament time? I appreciated uh, Dr. Whitney sharing today, and I say this a lot of times. I say things on Wednesday nights in a different setting, and you know, because we're in prayer meeting, and and, and we, we tend to be a little older on, in the group on Wednesday night, and we we just we get full of woeys me's, and we wish it was like it was in the fifties, like. Like everything was perfect, you know, for the church in, in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And then I, and, I, and I lovingly keep reminding people, it's never been good. It's never been good. Look at Paul. You know, I'm not meaning it's never been good, but we, we we're wanting everything to go our way. And that's not a right way to be thinking. When, when he shared with Paul and what all Paul went through, Paul said, listen, I'm going through these things for the gospel." We tend to think because I have the gospel, I shouldn't go through things. And the second that we get in discomfort, ah, and so that's just so unbiblical. Uh, Paul says, I'm going, I'm going, I went through these, this is what I'm going through for the gospel. And so in our country today, we get so discouraged because, oh my goodness, we can't do this, we can't do that. It doesn't matter. Whatever we're going through, we're going through so that we can proclaim the gospel. Instead of standing around whining about the things that aren't the way they used to be, Paul said, listen, this is just, you know, if, a, if I got a viper hanging off my hand, I got a viper hanging off my hand. That happened. I'm here for the gospel. Um, and so we, we, we see so many things in the book of Acts that we can learn from. So real quick, let's look at Acts chapter 2 tonight. I can't start reading verse by verse and preaching through it. We'll be here too long. But I want to read a little bit. When the place of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Why were they all together in one place? Loaded question. Because Jesus told them to go and wait. They were all together. I don't think it's by accident they were all together. See, the church is about being together. Nothing individual about the church. We're going to spend a lot of time on Koinonia tonight. Koinonia, and we'll get to what that word is. They were all together. The Lord said, you go and wait. Jerusalem, 
They were all together. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided his tongues, and fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus breathed on them in the upper room, it was a, a, a shadow. Wasn't that a great illustration of the Sabbath and the shadow? Um, I, uh, you know, I had seen everything that he was going to do. Um, I didn't hear it all. I saw it. I mean, I saw the outline and all that. What a great picture of the Sabbath. It's kind of funny. Who remembers me talking some of those same things a week before? You don't remember me saying it, do you? Thank you, Kim. We, we talked a little bit, just a little bit about that. I talked about the Sabbath and the new, new covenant and all that. And I thought, gosh, what a great picture. And if, if you weren't here, you just, that, you're never going to get that back. You weren't here. A shadow. The old, what a great picture. The Old Testament is a shadow of what Christ fulfills. And I've said that over and over, that yes, there's the old covenant. Get out of the old covenant. Enjoy the new found in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus breathed on them and said, Feel that you're filled with the Spirit in the upper room, but it was a shadow of Acts chapter 2. I wonder what that little Holy Spirit breath, and they would have had to go, whoa, yes, I feel that. Say that. How do you say it, Matt? Shama, he said I don't say it right. Shamahama, whatever. Huh? One of the youth. What is it? How does he say it? Shaba. I don't know if Jesus said Shaba. But he breathed on them and, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. It was a shadow of Acts chapter 2. Guess what happened in Acts chapter 2? All believers got filled with the Holy Spirit. Guess what happened the moment you got saved? You got filled with the Holy Spirit. Guess what happened when the disciples got filled with the Holy Spirit? They loved Jesus and they started living for Jesus. Guess what happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit? We love Jesus and we start doing things. We, we live for Jesus. So I do believe in once saved, always saved. I'm going to rephrase that. We're going to change our bylaws. I'm going to make a motion at the Southern Baptist Convention. Once filled with the Holy Spirit, always filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. I think there are a lot of people that think they're saved. They don't know what the Holy Spirit is. That's why they act the way they act and do the things they do. But the moment that you are saved, you receive the same Holy Spirit that the Church of Acts received. That's power. They were in a lost pagan world where the, 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 the emperor was not an evangelical. But look at the difference the early church made as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. People got saved. The church spread. Wonderful things happened. And so the, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They're trying to explain it. You can't explain when God gets a hold to you. The world's pointing to what's going on. They're, they're, what's this and the other. Then verse 14, Peter stands up and he starts preaching full of the Holy Ghost. And he stands before the 11 and he begins to preach and he starts, you know, it's funny. The, the first, first Holy Spirit-filled talk in the new church was an expository message about who Jesus is. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Scripture said, Scripture said, Scripture said. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words, this Jesus. And then he, he quotes Scripture, the fulfilling of Scripture. And he goes on. Brothers, I say to you in verse 29 with confidence that the patriarch David, he's, he's, he's preaching scripture. 
It gets to verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, and then Peter said, Now, because of what the gospel is, and guess because of the Spirit and because of the gospel, guess what he says? Repent. What does repent mean? To turn from what? In a pagan world where they just crucified Jesus because he was, he was blaspheming because he said he was God, the first thing that Peter says after he begins preaching is he deals with sin. You know, we're so afraid to talk about sin anymore. Sin's always the issue. Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Identify with being a Christian. It's not the, the, the power of the, the water. It's the testimony of what Christ has done for us. It's every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the many other words, verse 40, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, save yourselves from this crooked, perverse generation. He's preaching a, a message centered on Jesus Christ, who Christ is, why he came, why we need Christ, how do we respond to Christ. It's a very Christ-centered message of, of what needs to take place. So those who received the word were, were baptized. And that day, how many people came to faith in Christ? For, verse 41, 3,000 people. Jesus said, you'll do greater things than I. He told the disciples that. You'll do greater things than I did. Thinking about that, he, he didn't have but one or two, just a couple of women at the cross that believed who he was. But when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, and this, so think about what happened. The Spirit of God came upon them. They proclaimed the Word of God, and they preached Christ. Guess what happened? 3,000 people got saved. They didn't have Peter Watton in skinny jeans. The church didn't have pallets up on the wall. They didn't have the tambourine girl on the praise team. He didn't make everybody feel good and he preached Jesus Christ and said you need to repent of your sin and place your faith in him and 3,000 people met Christ that day. And all, uh, back up. So they received, they were baptized that day. Verse 42. And they, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I'm going to go back to this in a few weeks. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching is what we're going to talk about tonight, the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were where? Together. And had what in common? You had to have everything in common because you were, you know, we were making fun of Kaepernick, you know, he sacrificed everything and lost everything. Good gracious. These people sacrificed everything for a cause. They were willing to give their life for Jesus Christ and they didn't care what happened. They were new people in Christ. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions they were belongings and they were distributing the proceeds to all as many had need. What had happened is everybody had come upon the city for the, for the religious holiday and they got saved and they didn't want to leave and they were taking care of one another. It didn't matter anything other. The only thing that mattered to them was their, 
new life in Jesus Christ and one another. That's all that it meant, is one another. That's all that mattered. And day by day, attending in the temple and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. What a sweet spirit church. They had been gloriously saved. There's all these people around. They don't even know where they're going to be living because they came in for the, for the festival, the religious holiday, and they've gotten born again. And we're just, whatever we need to do for one another, we're, we're devoted to the apostles' teaching. We're devoted to fellowship. We're devoted to prayers. We're devoted to the breaking of bread. They were praising God and having favor with all people. What does all people mean? I think all people is all people. They don't have to agree with it, but I think all people looked over there and said that whatever they're doing... They believe in what they're doing, and they're doing it for one another. And day by day, and the Lord added to their number, and day by day, those who were being saved. What a picture. Was it more lost then than now? then was it harder to be a Christian then or now then were there more obstacles in the way then or now then did they have less then or now then same spirit same gospel same Jesus day by day people were getting saved Life change was taking place. Attitudes was changing. Perception was changing. Understanding of self was changing because they had fell in love with Jesus Christ. So let's, let's take that word, that word up there, back up to verse 42. We talked a lot about this Saturday, fellowship. Dr. Whitney brought out the idea that there's two ways that we look at fellowship. One is socializing. The other is biblical fellowship. The word for biblical fellowship is koinonia. Koinonia is the idea of coming together for the, for the reasons that pertain to the gospel of Jesus Christ and for spiritual reasons. We're going to look at that. So we're going to focus on this word koinonia, but before we really look at that word individually, let's, let's, let's review a little bit. If we have been saved, we have been empowered. If, and I, I tell people, I'm not trying to be cute. I'm, I'm just like Paul. Have you ever read, did you read Paul, Paul, if? I don't, the only way I know if not someone has truly been saved is it would be manifested with their life at some point. When I look at a church role, I don't think, so, if somebody says, hey, number 847 in the church role died and, and they, they called the church because they're on the church role, it's, it's numbered, that's, Twelve hundred of us, and they called, and you're their pastor. On paper, will you do their funeral? I will not say they're saved. Why? I'm definitely not going to say they're saved because their name's in a book. I know that sounds well, pastor. Why are you so negative about that? Because once you meet Jesus Christ, you are empowered with the Holy Spirit. Okay? If I have the Spirit of God abiding within me, there's going to be an urge to live for Jesus. 
to love Jesus, to love Christ, to do the things that he does. A born-again person is not going to be convinced to love Jesus and follow Jesus because that's what the spirit within us is going to lead us to do. That's why it's so important that we encourage people to repent of their sin and place their faith in Christ so that they can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so we think about these things. As we love Christ, we will be drawn to the things that he loves. We do things because we love Jesus. Dr. Whitney talked about that today. We do things as an expression. I wrote this down and he said, we do these things as an expression of our love for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We do what we do because we love Jesus. Something to think about as we move forward. I borrowed this from him. We're in the sheep business, not the goat business. Chew on that a little bit. So therefore, this is me. This is original to me. So therefore, we do sheep ministries and stop doing goat ministries. You understand the difference of that? If a goat's comfortable in the sheep business and we're not in the sheep business. Sometimes churches want to attract goats. We want to attract sheep. A goat can't worship like a sheep can. And so, you know, you know how many I've been a pastor for, you know, I read that book 25 years ago. I've been pastoring 22 years. You know how hard and how difficult it is not to cater to goats? Because goats are just strange little things. A sheep, and from a, from a theater, let's just, let me reword it another way. A converted person and an unconverted person. You're never going to make an unconverted person happy. They are going to complain. I'll be honest with you, no names. There are several within this church that I doubt their salvation because they're never happy. That, that, you know, Sharon's going, oh, Lord Jesus, don't let them say names. Is that a bold statement? Yes, it's a bold statement. There are people I see all the time. There's, there's, no, there's no way that you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and just have that disposition. There's, there's no way. Now, I have seasons. My blood sugar drops a little bit and I get a little grouchy. I use that as an excuse. It's not me. It's a medical issue. I haven't slept enough and I get a little cranky. It's like some of your kids have had too much red Kool-Aid sometime. They're a little wired. All right, I get that. But we're not, in the, we're not in the goat business. If we were in the goat business, we would do what the world wants and we would just draw the biggest crowd you could ever imagine. But we're in the Jesus business. And everything we do should magnify him and exalt him and encourage people to love him. You know, I thought about that today as Dr. Whitney was preaching. We know this. My goal is to get people to love Jesus. If you love Jesus, you're going to come to church and you're going to tithe. Well, yeah, I mentioned tithing. Can we just finish up the budget? If you love Jesus, yeah, I don't have to, you know, we don't have to talk about these things. Just help people to love Jesus. Jesus himself said, I'll build my church, Matthew 16, 18. If you just, if you just focus on 
seeing people come to know Christ and exalting the Savior and, and worship as the body of Christ. Jesus said, I'll build my church. If John has to build the church, it's going to be a church built after John's own image. Jesus said, you love me and you exalt my words and you follow after me. I'll build my church. I heard this. I don't know who, who said it, but I, I believe it to be true. Uh, what's Mr. Kathy's first name? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A Kathy. I can't ever think of this first name. Excuse me? Truett Kathy. I should know that. It's from Georgia. Uh, they were having a meeting and it was, it was this chicken place that was starting and it was getting some momentum one of these rotisserie chicken places a few years ago and they were having a board meeting and Truett Cathy was sitting at the head of the, the table and was just not saying a word and all the CEOs and XOs and BPs they were just running around trying to figure out and how we could be bigger and we got to be bigger we got to be bigger this place is growing this place is growing we got to be bigger we got to be bigger, bigger, bigger finally they said and the gentleman that told me this was, was uh, work for uh, Chick-fil-A Finally, True Kathy stood up and says, men, women, we're missing it. We don't need to be the biggest. If you're the best, people will come. I was sitting at the drive-in at Chick-fil-A the other day and asked myself, why can McDonald's not figure this out? I mean, I literally go to any McDonald's and I just hope I've got french fries in this french fry thing. I mean, you know, I sat there the other day and said, I want a coffee. And I mean, one cream, one sugar. And I looked over there and she was like, ching, 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 ching. it's not hard to be the best. Chick-fil-A's got it. Don't worry about what everybody's doing. Just be the best you can do. Be the best we'll do. And God said, I'll build my church. Because I've given you the strategy to do it. I thought that was pretty good. Be faithful, trust in Christ. Be faithful, trust in his word. Trust in what has worked over the course of history. So let's go back to that word. I got ahead of myself a while ago. The word there is they were devoted to, they loved, there was a, a constant devotion, a love, adoration, a passion for the teaching of the disciples. Oh, that's so important. Teaching, teaching, what we teach, what we know, what we know is foundational, it's foundational, it's foundational. The, the, the rock that we stand upon, the, where the church is a pillar of buttress of truth, right? But that's not all we're devoted to. I like that it starts there because I'm kind of a doctrine guy. And the doctrine is the gospel that we stand on. And we get that right, everything else should follow. But notice what else they were devoted to. Fellowship. And so if you weren't here Saturday, the word is koinonia in the Greek. You heard that word around. It, and it, it, it's, it's not your typical gathering of just talking. To, to borrow some of Dr. Whitney's material, he, he brought it up into two different words. Socializing, koinonia. Socializing is the common interest of the world. Hey, did y'all see that Kentucky-Florida game this week? <laughs> 31 years, finally got broken. Hey, I am going to enjoy it because in the 90s, y'all were up here and Georgia was down here. It'll come back around, but let me, let me enjoy myself, okay? Hey, did... Can I, show you, can I show you the latest picture of the most perfect granddaughter in the world? 
Hmm? Do what? What'd you say? Yes. Well, now we're socializing right now. Socializing is not bad. Okay, and I, I appreciated him saying that, talking about the news, the weather, and politics, and what we do. That's not bad, okay? But it's not koinonia. The early church was not devoted to socializing. The early church is devoted to koinonia. Koinonia is when we fellowship and we have a common interest. Socializing is we have a common interest in the world. Not bad, news, politics, weather, sports, family, children, good things, but not the best thing. Koinonia is where we have common interest of things of the Lord. And he talked about koinonia conversations and those types of things. Koinonia is where we have common interests of eternal matters, life-changing matters. We've got socialization down fine. We can gather. There, there's, I, I was convicted. Was anybody else convicted? Koinonia conversation is not. Did you see that ball game? Koinonia conversation is, what do you say? How can I pray for you today? Koinonia is, what is God doing in your life? Koinonia is, can I share with you what God is doing with me in the Word? Koinonia is, hey, how are things going in your spiritual life? And how can I come alongside and encourage it? What the church was devoted to was those types of relationships. There were 3,000 people that had come upon Jerusalem over a religious holiday that got saved and they became immediately consumed with where everybody was in their relationship with Christ. As Baptists, we think because we may ask someone about a prayer concern, that's koinonia. That's not koinonia. Koinonia is not, hey, don't forget now I'm sick, or hey, did I miss you at church, or, you know, that's almost socialized. Koinonia is when you look into the heart of someone and says, hey, where are you struggling this week? How can I pray for you specifically? Koinonia could be something along the lines of, you know what, I've noticed you haven't been as faithful in church as you used to be, so therefore I know something spiritually is going on in your life. What can I do to come alongside and be a Barnabas? Koinonia is, you know what, I'm reading the Word of God, and I'm telling you what, God's just getting all over me, and I've never been so involved with the Word of God, and I'm just going to bust before I can tell somebody. I can count on no hands those conversations I've had apart from this weekend in the last six months if I've walked the door, walls of this church. We've talked about church. We've talked about things. People have asked me how George Ann's doing. A lot of people have asked me about my mother. That's not koinonia conversation. Koinonia conversation is how is your walk with Christ? Koinonia conversation could be something as this. Pastor, I've been real burdened about our church. How can I pray for our church? 
what can I do as a member of this church? Just koinonia conversation. Most churches are not very good at koinonia conversations and fellowship. What do we do a better job of? Hey, if it's Sunday bowl, I love socializing. I'm, I'm, if, if, social, if, if hanging out was a spiritual gift, I got it. I love to hang out and to socialize with the best of them. But we do that well. We do a lot of things and for the sake of, you know, socializing. But most churches are very weak in koinonia. And I will say this, we are very weak at koinonia. Because what does koinonia involve? A pocket of the church? A age group of the church? Or the entire church? So therefore, I can tell you with the authority the Lord has given me as your shepherd, we're not good at church koinonia. We can be okay with our groups and socializing. We can be okay with our church and, and pockets, but church-wide koinonia, we need to work on that. Reasons I think that we struggle with true koinonia and we think about what that looks like in a church, that we are really pouring our life into one another from a spiritual standpoint. Several things. I don't have these notes. You know, I just thought of this. I didn't put these online. So for those that have followed online, I apologize. I, I don't have time to post them now. Reasons of lack of true koinonia is, I think, a lack of spiritual maturity. We're just people of the meat, milk and not people of the meat. Lack of spiritual growth. We've become a believer, and so we, we get saved. We, we, we join the church. We go to Sunday school. We, our, our, our Christian life becomes what we do. I go to church. I, you know, some of the most faithful tithers I've met in my 22 years of ministry were some of the people that were, were the, the worst at Koinonia. And the reason is because... I go to Sunday school because that's what we do. I go to church because that's what we do. And every Sunday I write a check, that's what you do. But it was a, it was a, a, a vertical relationship between me and the Lord. It was not, hey, I go to Sunday school because of Koinonia. I go to, I go to Sunday in church because of this. I give because of this. And a lot of times we thought, well, I, I'm saved, I joined the church, that's just what you do. And I think it's a, a lack of spiritual maturity and growth that as we grow as a Christian, we realize we're in this for each other. That we, we love Christ and we love the church because the only way we're going to make a difference in this world is we've got to lock hands and hearts and we've got, the, we've got this, we follow Jesus, we go and live in that world. There's a lack of spiritual maturity is all I can talk about. I've been convicted so many times in my life, all the time. I mean, that's kind of a dumb statement. I get, I'm convicted all the time. But I remember being at a, at a convention one time, at a convention now, but you save people, right? Pastors. Bumped into somebody, it'd be like me bumping into Pastor Steve there going, Kentucky laid it on y'all this week, brother. 
Yeah, but y'all look good against South Carolina. Boy, we sure did. Boy, South Carolina thought they had something on us. Well, how's your mom and them doing? Boy, doing good and all right. And out of the blue comes this little young 20-something-year-old. And we were waiting to check in for the Southern Baptist Convention, somewhere like that. I think it was in Indianapolis for some reason. So we're sitting there catching up. Talk, we're socializing. And this little 20-year-old guy comes up from this church, and he goes, well, I'm over at so-and-so church. He said, can I ask you guys a question? Share your story with me. I said, brother, we're talking college football right now. I ain't got time to talk about no Jesus story. We're catching up. I didn't say that. I just, how convicted do you think I felt? He just met me. And he said, tell me your story. That's koinonia. He is at a pastor's conference. And he's wanting to hear how I came to know Christ. Not to fix me. Not to challenge me. Wasn't doubting me. Man, tell me your story. He's been taught that. He has matured in his faith and he understands life is more than what I enjoy talking about. Life is about spiritual matters. Hey man, tell me your story. How'd you come to faith in Christ? He, and he said, because I want to hear how your story, because it's going to encourage me in my story. How'd you get to be a pastor? I think it's a lack of spiritual maturity. We struggle with things because we're just not mature enough to have. My children... When they were little, they didn't understand things. They just struggled with it. I still believe you're not into your 20s that your brain fully develops. It's proven. I'm telling you, you think I'm lying? Anybody under age 20 doesn't get it? You're almost, it's not fully developed. Brantley will tell you. He said, man, I just woke up one day and had a brain, Dad. <laughs> Good gracious. All your little talks have just come back to me. This parenting's hard. I know. It happens to all of the son. I think it happens spiritually. Pastor, guess what? I got up this morning and I just wanted to read the word. And I wanted to pray. And I, I couldn't, I was praying for church. I'm like, yeah, I just, just it's what happens when you, you grow in the Lord. So reasons that we, we struggle. Now let's just say this. Let me back up. Can I just say, instead of coming across like I'm a Dr. Whitney speaking to churches, this is what we this is why we lack koinonia. I'm gonna back up and say, this is why First Baptist Church Avon Park. Can I go ahead and say that? I'm not saying intentionally, well, it, the reason First Baptist Church Avon Park struggles with koinonia is spiritual immaturity. I think our church, we could say we're just not mature enough to understand that it's not just about me. It's about other people. Just spiritual immaturity. The Spirit of God is there. We're stale in our devotional life. We're not growing and changing like we need to. We're, a lot of times what happens is we get older, we come to church, I write the check, I attend these things, I do this stuff. But there's no really dynamic, growing, you know, spiritual maturity taking place. Now, this is for our church, but it, it fits into others. Another reason that we lack true koinonia is doctrinal differences. Can you imagine a church having doctrinal differences? First Baptist Avon Park, can you imagine a church having doctrinal differences? So we don't talk about spiritual matters. Can I, can I say a step out on a prophetic limb right here? 
everything I should say doctrinally should be and hopefully will be biblical. I mean, if you think about it, any, any theological system, whatever you want to call it, you believe in should be biblical. I believe in predestination and election. Josh, why do I believe that? Am I putting you on the spot? It's in the Bible. You know, I had somebody that was a member of this church say, you believe in election, and that's not in the Bible. Well, you don't know it's in the Bible if you haven't read it. I believe, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, why do I believe that? It's in the Bible. I believe if you confess, repent, and trust Christ, you'll be saved. It's in the Bible. I believe before the foundations of the earth, God had a plan. Why? It's in the Bible. And so sometimes we, we have dividing lines of koinonia because we, we just theologically were indifferent. Listen, we're a, we're a, we're a Baptist church. We're, we believe we stand on the Baptist faith and message. The early church were devoted to doctrine, so therefore they were devoted to this koinonia. We lack koinonia because we have personal preferences. Well, I wish church could be the way it used to be. Like the early church or the 50s church or the 60s church. I heard a pastor say not long ago on a broadcast that there hasn't been the, the, the early, you know, he was preaching, he's like 20-something years old and he's preaching now. Well, 20 years old, he was only born in like 2000. Is that not crazy? So he was saying something. He goes, well, the problem with our churches today is for the last 25 years, preachers haven't been talking about evangelism and the sovereignty. I said, no, wait a minute. I've been preaching that for 20 years. Don't say you young guys don't have a clue what you're talking about. I mean, he was saying that, you know, in land, but, you know, we, we, we preference. And so we, we have our preferences. And we don't koinonia. We socialize great. We ride together. We eat together. We sit together. I watched y'all the other week. I watched y'all Friday. You failed miserably. Hey, we're going to eat at 6.15. Oh, my goodness, I got to go over with Josh and Lacey. We <laughs> Woo, glad you saved my spot. I eat with you every Wednesday. Anybody see Randall Lanier there? Sitting at that table by himself. Twice. Came in, sat down. Got up to eat, sat down. I want to stand up and go, good job. You're sitting by, but you're sitting by the same person you sit by every time the door's open. You ride together, you sit together, you talk together, you Facebook together, you, you sit together in Sunday school. You won't go to a Sunday school class unless they're in there. You, I can take a trip with some of y'all. Y'all won't get in the same van with the same people. You know who you are. I made y'all mad one time because y'all thought I was driving your van. I put somebody else in there and y'all were all looking out the window. Now, wait a minute. You always drive our van. 
How sad. I'm not talking about y'all again. But, I mean, we all do that. I mean, I walk in here. On, I mean, I was coming in here today going, i got to find me somebody. Woo, Carrie, how about them dogs, son? Somebody's in the back row. I ain't talking about i gotta get, got to get, where them Kentucky people? Florida people. Don't have a clue who's around us. But we're going to sit in the same spot, talk to the same people, do the same thing every way. There's a couple of reasons for that. I think we just like certain people. We just gravitate towards certain people. Another reason is some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. All right? I do a lot better with this conversation than I do this one. I get nervous. I get real nervous if you don't start talking the loud. You know. I do great here. Ho! So does that mean I never had this conversation? No. Well, what if you're an introvert? Does that mean you don't have anything to do with? No. It doesn't matter what you want. It's what we need. We have generational lines. I get so tickled. Everybody's got their own, their own thing. You know, I could say, <laughs> we have a concert and a group of people come to me and go, good, whoo, Jesus showed up. Same concert. Somebody come up on the other side. What was that? And who listens to it? Isn't that true? Hey, we're going to have a contemporary Christian group come in here that all our young people love. And you're like, yes, I am not doing that. But we'll ride 18 hours to see the Gaithers video, the Gaithers presentation. You already own 15 videos. In that preference? And so we, we, when it, when it, we, we come beyond our preference in, in generational lines. I remember, you know, you know, growing up in church has changed radically since I grew up in church. You know, like now and this and that. And if we're not careful, we think, well, well, well. Young people are terrible at it. Old people are terrible at it. Us middle ground, we're just, we make both, I tell you, I make both people mad. That's not koinonia. I have said this, and I hope I don't say this out loud and then regret it later. Do you know how effective an 830 contemporary service could be for reaching young people in Avon Park? By the numbers? We get us a little, we could use our same praise, we'll use our same praise team, Joel, but we're going to sing different music and do things differently. And I guarantee you the numbers would be good to decent. But what would that do? We'd have two churches. It would free me up because I could say, you know what? Old people do what you want to do. Young people do what you want to do. We'd have two churches. And we'll be trying to meet in the middle. That's not koinonia. 
koinonia is, what can we do for the body of Christ? Not what we want, not what we like, not what we're going to do, but what is good. You know, I, I tell people all the time, who is going to take the banner when we're not here? Young people, so do we need to cater all of our ministries for 60, 70, 80, 90, and 100 year olds? No. Young people, we're going to reach the millennials. Well, we're just going to forget 60, 70, 80, and 90 year olds and hope they just figure it out. Maybe they can just go to hell. No. You're not ministering to just 20-year-olds. You're not ministering just... You're, we're, you're looking at all of our community and saying, what can we do for true biblical koinonia? You know another reason? Everybody raise your feet off the carpet right now. Everybody raise your feet up. Your toes are to get hit. You know another reason that we don't have koinonia in First Baptist Church, Avon Park? we got relationships that we need to get in order. Unreconciled relationships. And if you don't believe me, I can start naming names. I bet you half of this congregation here tonight knows there's something in their heart towards somebody else in this room. And with all of your might, you know it's not your fault and it's their fault, but I don't care because it's the, that is unreconciled relationships and koinonia cannot take place when that's taking place. No matter how hard you try, when you get serious with the Lord about living for the Lord and there's an unreconciled relationship, it'd be like me, it'd be like me having a, it'd be like me going in on tonight and just pitching a fit and making Sharon mad. Imagine that happening. Blood sugar drops, get cranky. It'd be like me just being so mad, I don't even want to, you don't even, get over on that big kingside bed and roll over on that side. I don't, I'm mad. If I walk out and leave her, I'd have to become a Methodist preacher. That's a joke, but it is a fact. So then I get up the next morning, I'm, dear Jesus, I love you so much, I'm in your word and praying. Because Dr. Whitney says I need to have a quiet time. How far do you think that quiet time's going? Well, I just read. No, yeah, you just read. It never got through your heart. And so if there's unreconciled relationships, your spiritual life stops. I believe it's like a church. It's like a ceiling. Boop, won't go anywhere. All you're doing is just activity. So you can't have koinonia fellowship with unconciled relationships. I want to encourage you when you have your quiet time in the morning, because Dr. Whitney told you to, remember? Get those relationships right. It doesn't have to be public, but you need to get those relationships right. And if you want to do it for yourself, do it for the church. Here's a strategy I think we need to develop to work toward this because we're not there and if you think we're there you're sadly mistaken we're not there we have to be intentional something as silly as we're sitting together why would you say that pastor because I see every week 
people in the balcony going out the back doors and never mingling here. People down here never going up in the balcony. This isn't a show. This isn't a theater. You know, we'll put sippy cup, sippy cup. We'll put cup holders in the seat. When Mark Lowry talking about that, we'll put reclining seats and cup holders and popcorn. Hey, what you? Joy did a great job today. Yes, I might come back. Woo! That preacher went a little over. I don't know. It's not a show. We're a family. Now I pick on back row Baptists because I don't like being back row Baptists. Only time I'm on the back row Baptist is, is if I'm going somewhere and have to sit a very long time and I, my knee messes up and I have to get up and down. I, under, I understand medical reasons. But any conversation you have in the world, it's personal. Sharing it to somebody all the time. Please look at me, honey. I'm listening. And then she goes, well, that, that didn't help. So just think about what, so let me get as far away as I can from my family. What, that doesn't make any sense. If we added a balcony on from the balcony, people would want to go sit in that balcony. If we added a back row on to this back row, and I understand there's comfort and preference, I get that. But I want us to be intentional. True story, no names. Someone passed away a few years ago that sat under the ledge. Another person read it in the paper and said, who is that person? And I said, you've been going to church together for 20 years. They come in the door, sit under the balcony. They come in, sit in the balcony. Never cross paths. Neither one of these people were involved in Sunday school, never came Wednesday night, never did anything outside of sitting in that pew on Sunday morning and did not know the face of that person when they saw the name in the newspaper. You have to be intentional with that. We have to think kingdom relationships. It's not about us. I know that. I'm, I'm, I'm crossing that line, and I'm picking on men now. I pick on women all the time. I think you just wake up one day and you're a grouchy man. I don't know what happens. I don't know what age it is. Have you, have you seen the commercials about home loans? And they said, we bought a home and you turn like your dad. Those are really funny commercials. The idea is the guy bought a home and then he's starting to act like his dad. And it's so funny. It happens. I can't, you know, it's like I'll be doing something one day. Oh, my gosh, I'm a dad. I'm, a, I'm like the, you know, honey, don't put that trash out. I'm listening to my granddad. Honey, I get onto it from messing the trash bag up. hard is to put the trash out she knows it I mean I'm like oh my gosh I'm my grandfather <laughs> something happens to us that we just get that way my spot my seat my preference my this my that I've often said this and I know y'all probably fire me if I did it I still think every six months we're going to change Sunday school rooms just every six months you know everybody's in a different room here we go <gasps> I know, and you know how y'all, everybody behaved. Everybody was like, oh my goodness, and I'm like, a hurricane did it. I had, I, I, I eavesdrop. Y'all don't know what I'm doing at 830. I'm listening to y'all in the mall area. He's moved us again. 
I wanted to come out there and said, a hurricane did it. God moved you. Well, I'm not in my room anymore. <laughs> going to move us again. I hear y'all. Every six months we're going to do that. Just move. Not getting comfortable. Well, if I'm moving, I'm taking my table and pictures with me. We have to start putting other, young people, put others first. Middle-aged people, put others first. Older people, put others first. They have to think kingdom relationships. I think we have to raise the bar. We don't do that well. We've got to raise the bar. Nothing else until we're at Koinonia Fellowship. That's where the bar is. What can we do? What can I do to expect Koinonia relationship? You know, I was sitting there thinking, I've been involved with all kinds of ministries and stuff. I made a joke of this. that I, I, I pastored only two years in Georgia before I came here. I don't say that often. Just want a good fit. Love them, they love me. Want a good fit. So in a setting, I was talking about evangelism. I said, listen, evangelism is not getting the, the, the weightlifting crew in here bending bars over their head and pumping iron and, and you know, and having an emotional frenzy and rah, and all these people get saved. And I was like, everybody just got pale as a ghost. They did that every year. What a good fit. Maybe we can get somebody here to bend bars over their head and juggle fire and eat stuff and hoop and holler and ah! Or maybe we can get somebody like Dr. Whitney just to come and open up the word of God and say this is what we need to be about. Koinonia is we just raise the bar of expectation of what true biblical relationships look like. It's not about emotions and how you feel. It's about being faithful to Jesus and faithful to the word. And we love one another. We meet people where they are. I made some examples of what I mean by this. This is, this is here. This is everywhere I've ever been. Here's a good example of not having coin and knee of fellowship, but yet as a church, instead of, and, and so this is what it doesn't look like. In a lot of churches, we just accept it, and we, re, we lower the bar. Coming to Sunday school and never coming to another function that involves anybody other than that little group. Now, I'm only going to be around the people I want to be around. like picking on choir people choir people that only will do something as long as the choirs choir people the adult Sunday school class that is just the youth group that has nothing to do with anybody unless they're just youthy youth groups I come to Sunday school but I'm not going to stay to church and I'm definitely not going to come Sunday night or Wednesday or do any other fellowship now this is not here I promise you this is not here, but I have seen it in another church. I'll always work in the nursery so I don't have to go to church. That's not here. I promise you that's not here, but I've seen it. 
I'll always work in the nursery so I don't have to be around Cornelia relationships. I've seen this in this church, some in other churches. Pastor, I think instead of going to Sunday school, I'm going to walk around and check all the doors. Never involved in Cornelia Fellowship. True story here. This isn't a just here story. True story here. Literally was walking, no names. <laughs> was walking across the street about five chairs shaking her head. And a woman walked out of that door that I had never laid eyes on in my life. I'm just, I almost would have thought, give her a visitor card and ask somebody, who is that? Oh, she teaches Sunday school. And never comes to church? And no one else thought that was a bad idea? Hello? No one else thought that was a bad idea? To come to Sunday school only and never come to church or never come to the fellowship or never come Wednesday night or never come to anything? Nobody else think that's a bad idea? That's a real bad idea. We're encouraging no koinonia. But guess what happens if you raise the bar? And it's expected. Have you ever been around an organ... Alabama football, and give me a really bad football team. Don't say Georgia, Florida, you know. Prairie View A&M. Imagine hanging out with Nick Saban and understanding what the expectations are. Wherever we raise the bar of expectation. Hey, we're in Sunday school. Hey, don't forget, we're going to church together. We're going to worship together. We're going to worship together. I would love to have a Sunday school teacher that loved me enough, loved Jesus enough, and loved this church enough to say to a church Sunday school member, I notice you don't come to church. How can I help you do a better job of that? That's the Cornelia question. Just something to think about. Another strategy for this, and I'm, gonna, I'm already over. Let me finish this. Another strategy that I think we need to have in place, we're going to be intentional. We're going to think kingdom relationships. We're going to raise the bar. I don't know why I worded it this way. Biblical creativity with our time in meetings. Is anywhere in Scripture a list of when the services of a Baptist church are? No. Talks about the Lord's Day. So why are we so afraid to mess with tradition? Why does that make us so nervous? Why can't we step back and say, you know what? There may be a season in our church, just hypothetically, we don't come to church on Sunday nights for a season. Let's gather at homes. Maybe there's a season that we don't gather for this or we gather for that or we do this or we do that and we focus on koinonia relationships. 
We do what we need to do instead of what we've always done. That is the biggest struggle. We just do what we need to do instead of what we've always done. That, that's a good example. The other week I was sitting there and I was thinking, we have a beautiful building that can seat, I don't know how many of hundreds of people. That balcony needs to be for overflow only. There's no reason why we should scatter out. We need to be in here together. That's just, I know, it's like, I get it. But just utilizing, if we, you know, what, what can we do to create? You know, I've often said this, it's being silly. This Sunday, sit in the opposite side of the pew, on the opposite side of the church you normally do. Creating koinonia. You know, we have a balcony for overflow, but you know, it's just, we want to be as personal and close-knit as we can, and we all got the excuses, we can't be too close, we can't be too far, we can't do this, that, the other. One of the greatest excuses I've ever heard. Anybody ever been to a high school basketball game in Indiana? How many people are at a high school basketball game in Indiana, sir? Thousands. Thousands. Can you say thousands? I had a girl, a lady tell me one time, I'm just not in the church anymore. Crowds make me anxious. Walked in there on a Friday afternoon and go, hey, hey, I hope you're on a lot of Prozac. There are a lot of people in this room. People make me anxious, and I'm going to a high school basketball game in Indiana. People make me anxious. I can't come to church more. <laughs> Heaven's going to be a lot of people. I think sometimes we just have to do what is necessary to encourage people to get to know one another. I mean, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. Does anybody know what city, what, what state is David from? I just said it a while ago. I mean, Indiana. What city is he from? What's his wife's name? How many kids does he have? How long has he been part of this church? How many even know who he is? What are his hobbies? Well, you know because you talk to him. There you go. See, it's just simple things like that. You know? That's koinonia. Tell me your story. Well, I've got two more pages. But we got a lot more Sunday night. Brian used to always say, what is that you're always saying? You don't even remember now. You're, you know, yeah, somebody wake David up. Yeah. I mean, uh, Brian up. There you go. We'll be back next week. We don't all need it one week. Well, I, I do want to share some things that I want us to begin to do. And I'll just end with this. We are going to form. I've been, we've been praying about that. I've been praying about that anyway. We are going to form someone I'm going to call after this weekend, Cornelia Groups. They're going to be Bible studies, but it's not going to be a lecture. They're going to be groups of about 10 people. And we're going to have all kinds of different people facilitating it but here's where it gets fun you're not picking what group you're going to be in who is pastor 
the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Could you imagine spending about eight weeks with somebody you've never spent eight weeks with, walking through a good Christian book where all you're discussing is the topic of that book and how it applies in your life? Because I know what would happen if I said, we're going to do a sign-up sheet. Which one are you teaching? Which one's Matt teaching? And then y'all do this. It's, are you going to sign up? Because if you're not, I'm not going to, I'm not. Nah. So who's going to do it? Everybody that loves Jesus. And that loves this church. And wants to see Cornelia. I've been praying about it for a long time and how to implement it and move in that way. And Dr. Whitney just gave me the freedom to go ahead and do it. We'll meet seasonally. We're going to do a couple different groups on campus. We're going to start on campus. No, no larger than 10 to a group. You don't have to be proactive in the group. You can just sit there and listen. But guess what you're going to do is you sit there and listen. You're going to be reading that material and you're going to be hearing life through the lips of other people. And you're going to build relationships that you've never built before. And this church is going to look like a completely different church, like the Church of Acts. We're going to love each other. Because I, I tell you, my personality, I love to teach. I think Matt loves to teach. Would you not say that? We need to sit up under the preaching of the Word of God on a regular basis. So hear me when I say that. But how many more lectures do you need from me? What would be wrong of, of, of taking a good Christian book that you're, that the Holy Spirit lays on your heart to go through, through your pastor? And to look at somebody and say, okay, all ten of us sitting around here, what God show you this week as we read that together? What truth can we believe this week that we didn't see before? How can we apply that in our life? How can we encourage one another to take the book that we're reading and the principles laid out in discipleship and, and live together? Could you imagine what, what it would look like once you begin to meet and gravitate toward other people? And you're going to, it's always happening. Well, I never knew that. I never knew that about them. We're missing that as a church. Would you be willing to admit that? Say amen. Is it going to make people, and this is, I'll go ahead and lay this out here too. You're already mad at me because I made you move. We're not doing the pastor's going to do something in the sanctuary for people that want to do it. We're not doing that. We are going to learn to sit down in a small group and have koinonia. And to talk about things of the Lord and to open up our heart to one another. And I'll say this, could you imagine a believer not wanting to do that? I'm not saying you, I mean, you could be the most introverted person in the world, but you could still sit there and go through that material and be part of what God is doing. We'll probably start the 1st of October. I've got some things to do with those that will facilitate. I'll go ahead and say this. I want as many people that would be willing to be facilitators to be facilitators for these groups. All a facilitator is going to do is go, it is 6 o'clock, we are starting. Series of questions led by the Holy Spirit, boom. 
You're not teaching, you're not preparing, you're not lecturing. We're all, if we had 50 people that want to be facilitators and we would just rotate facilitators over the years of this church, but if you're willing to do that over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sign up for that because then we're going to begin spending some time like some little facilitator thing. Would love to see young and old couples. And then when we begin to put the groups together, we'll, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we're going to mix and match. I'm going to sign up for it, and I'm going to intentionally separate some ages and genders and friends and click. It's so funny. Who's in the nursery? Who is? Who is? Oh. I better hurry then. <clears throat> I don't even know what I was going to say there. Pray about it. Will you pray about it with me and for me? We're missing that as a church. If you want to be a facilitator, I want you to pray about it. I promise to equip you any way I possibly can to lead those. But I'm going to tell you, Certain people want to lead something, but they don't want to be part of something. The facilitators are coming from you right here and those in Sunday school and those that are faithful. Some people want to teach, but they don't want to be taught. Some people want to facilitate and teach a Bible study, but they don't want to sit up under someone else doing it. That's not what we're looking for. Looking for people that just love the Lord and want to be part of something unique like that. Next Sunday night, I'll talk further about it, give you an opportunity to sign up for that and kind of lay out the, the plan for that. I am serious about the balcony. I'm going to put some things in the newsletter and encourage people, and if somebody wants to jump the electrical fence to get up there, that's on you. I'm just going to be staring at you the whole time I'm preaching. I don't understand, but you can, do what you, you can do what you want to do. Sit up there in the goat section. That's all right. I just know this is what this church needs. We need to come and to minister and love on one another and be excited that we're part of a church with one another. Well, we thank you for tonight. Uh, thank you for uh, just the, the church, the body of Christ, my own heart this weekend. and Give me the wisdom I need to lead and to focus on you and nothing else. Lord, I'm thankful for those that have already expressed such a desire to see true koinonia in our church. So as we progress that way, let us do so obediently and faithful unto you. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.